0: Welcome to Brewing It Over with Cup North, the show that gives you the chance to deep dive into the topics shared in the content programme at our events. From social issues to consumer to sustainability
1: issues, there's something for everyone. I'm Hannah Davis. I'm Grace Talbot. And today we're joined by Gabriela Parthe, who delivered a talk at Manchester Coffee Festival last year, that's 2022. Uh, it was titled, Can agroforestry be a profitable model in order to become a viable solution for coffee cultivation? It's a mouthful. Gabriela was born and raised in Brazil and has a background in commodity trading. She made the leap to working in specialty coffee because of her passion for coffee and she wanted to positively impact the coffee production supply chain. Now back living in Brazil, importing green coffee and cacao, Gabriela is motivated by developing transparent direct trade practices.
0: Before we welcome you to the (laughs) podcast, just a little reminder that uh, if you hang on to the end of the podcast, then you'll be able to hear the full recording of Gabriella and Jacques' talk from Manchester Coffee Festival. And talking of Manchester Coffee Festival, we couldn't deliver any of our projects without the incredible support of our partners. So here's a short advert from the one and only Oatly.
1: O-A-T hyphen L-Y exclamation mark. That's how you spell Oatly on the side of our oat milk packages but if you sing it, it sounds like this.
2: Welcome, Gabriella. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Good. We're very excited to
1: have you all the way from Bonny, Brazil. We're thrilled that we've gone global already. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, We want you to feel super relaxed and we also want our listeners to get an opportunity to know you a little bit better. So before we dive into quite a complex topic of agroforestry, we want to ask you a couple of super easy quick fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, starting in hot. What is your coffee order?
2: My coffee order today would be a uh, V60 washed African coffee. Oh specific.
1: I love it. This is when you know you're chatting with coffee people, you're like, not just a V60. I'm gonna give you the process and origin. I love it.
2: Yeah, yeah I've been <laughs> okay. I've been drinking too much natural fermented Brazilian coffees. I think I'm I miss um the washed uh Ethiopian or something else
1: clean coffee, a bit of floral in there. Lovely. Okay. So we will get our fabulous barista, Hannah, working on that V60 for you. And while Hannah works away, what music Mm -hmm. is playing in your dream coffee shop while you sip on this washed Ethiopian?
2: What music is playing um, whilst I'm sipping this coffee? Probably, uh, probably a, a, Tonjo being Bossa nova, something really smooth like the coffee.
1: Oh, matching your auditory experience to your sensory, your, your palate. I love that. We're missing something here. <laughs> most people are like pop music. I love it. Okay, last question. What is your most memorable cafe experience? Share it with us.
2: Very hard to choose one. will allow one-off um, I think and also because it kind of stays in the theme of of the podcast but I think um the first time I visited Ethiopia and I saw the forest coffees was uh, a bit of a slap in my face so I I do remember being wowed by seeing coffee growing like that yeah yeah yeah, the experience really adds something, huh? Mm-hmm. And then having yeah. some coffee under new coffee trees that were tall enough, and we were in a in a coffee garden from a small producer delivering cherries to a local washing station, and and we sat there uh, under the trees, and it was one of the magical moments for me.
1: That does sound magical. Mm-hmm
2: sounds
0: totally dreamy <laughs> yeah grace and i talk a lot about like the full cafe experience the music the crockery the the ambiance and uh yeah that sounds yeah. unbeatable drinking coffee under a coffee tree <laughs>
2: yeah yeah yeah. are <laughs> singing so
1: yeah <laughs> oh come on that's the music live music no less come on
0: <laughs> uh Wonderful. So hopefully you're feeling relaxed. Our listeners know you a little bit better now. Um, And for those listeners who didn't catch your presentation at the coffee festival last year, can you start by giving us just like a quick 60 second overview of that talk?
2: Yeah. So uh, we were talking about agroforestry in coffee. And um, we started explaining what is agroforestry in coffee. (laughs) Uh, which basically is when you uh, when you plant uh, trees uh, amongst your coffee crop. Um, we we went further describing that you can have several levels of agroforestry, from just planting a few trees to uh, to a more or less complex forest system. So back then, when I was uh, working at Belco, we had worked with French Agroforestry uh, Association, and they had kind of simplified uh, the different types of, agro, uh, of agroforestry. Sorry, in in three in three different levels. A first level where you have um, a very basic coffee and trees. Uh, it could be all the same kind of trees, just so it has uh, only one one extra layer of canopy. A uh, second level of agroforestry that has uh, two layers of canopies and has more um, variety in tree varieties. And a third level, which is multiple layers of canopy, uh, very ancient trees and a, and a much richer ecosystem. Uh, so we went on kind of uh, explaining that this uh, third level of agroforestry, that is the one that, that has uh, uh, layers of canopy and kinds of needs uh for an existing forest to exist, to have so many old trees and different levels, that it only exists as such in coffee in Ethiopia. So uh, Ethiopia is a country where you can find already uh, this kind of advanced agroforestry in coffee uh, because it has been preserved all these years and farmers have been growing coffee like this for Many many years now. It's I, I like to remember that Ethiopia was is one of uh, the the only African coffee that wasn't colonized exactly. So uh, I think that this this is probably why they they could keep their way of doing agriculture a little bit more preserved, and um, and 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 our um, one of the aim of the presentation was to look at some examples of of coffee farmers that we were working with in agroforestry, uh, in forest coffees, and to try to show in what way this model is profitable. So uh, apart from um, the fact that the farmer is able to live with multiple incomes from different crops and not only coffee we were having a look at the at the infrastructures that they could that they could build in the past uh, 5 years that we were working together and in the investments that they were able to make and in the presentation we shown that uh, we took two examples and shown that that they could um have significant investments in their farms, uh building new facilities, uh, investing with um uh, in, in many cases with uh, not with loans which which is a first proof that agroforestry can be profitable because they can live from it and reinvest uh the money in their farms.
1: Yeah I think I think agroforestry is a term, certainly something that I've seen quite a lot in the in like my brief history of working in specialty coffee and kind of surrounded by people who are interested mm-hmm. in it. Um, it's it's one of those terms that you see a lot, and I'm always struck by how little it's understood. So while you've touched on it already, could you give us some details about what agroforestry kind of looks like on a producing farm, and specifically what are the benefits for a coffee producer to grow coffee in this way as opposed to others?
2: Yes, the the um, I think that the um, it first of all I think agroforestry looks very different depending on the country that we're in, and mm-hmm. and this is why it's also a little bit hard to just have one definition of it. I think uh, in the beginning of specialty coffee we you we we used to talk about about shade grown coffee yeah which i think i think uh talking about agroforestry without knowing started kind of there Uh, and then but but then you can see a lot of farms that that are that would grow coffee in shade for for the reasons of the of the cherries getting getting matures more slowly and getting more complexity in the coffee and so you would see only one type of tree planted uh, it's kind of a, a monoculture of tree on a monoculture of coffee. Um, I think now we we came um, I think that we came further in the definition because now, uh, we talk about agroforestry in a context of environmentally friendly practices, right? Of how can we grow coffee without destroying so much? And also we talk about it uh, when we talk about carbon sequestration and about uh, soil and about uh, birds and et cetera, et cetera. Now, as I was saying, when you look at countries like Ethiopia, it looks lush. it looks like almost a forest. You have You have a real diversity of plants. They're not planted in in rows. And when you go to Central America or Latin America, you see agrofor- uh, you see a type of agroforestry that is um, more organized by the men, and which is also because it it came after. In Ethiopia, the forests were there, and they brought the coffee, and they integrated this in um in this balanced ecosystem. Here in Latin America, we went the full way, sometimes doing monoculture, doing a very organized, aligned culture, and now we're tr- we are um we are trying to bring agroforestry in that, which I think is valid, and and. And when you look at how, at what agroforestry looks like in Latin America, let's say because I know it more, um, it's I think it's okay that we're not completely there yet. It's okay that it looks different because it's it's more new when we're and 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 we come from a long way. So um, so it's it, and also here it has a bigger impact in a farmer that decides to go in this direction because he will lose yield for sure because you need to make space for other trees you you um you will probably um have to adapt a lot of things that will have an impact in your income as a coffee grower i think taking small steps is 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 super valid and and we as a consumer um, area, um, I think it's super important that we, uh, that we encourage that and that we pay a certain premium and that, and and that we follow up the project because it is always a long, uh, a long-term project in yeah. countries like this. So they, they it needs adaptation. Uh, if you do it all in one go, I think that it will have a terrible impact, and and then potentially the coffee grower won't be financially sustainable anymore. And uh, financials sustainability is one of the of parts of sustainability. You have social, you have environmental, and financially. So it all needs to work together. So so, uh, but uh, from producers are. I see that are going into agroforestry most of the times, and I hope that's still the case um, always uh, from personal from from a personal consciousness and vision because they want to do it because they don't want to be probably uh, using uh, as as much product as they war or as they parents have been or they or, or their neighbors uh, and and also because there's a growing demand for it now especially in Europe especially in developed countries um, alongside with this growing demand we have now laws in europe that are going through about about deforestation products um, so they kind of it it's a current that is leading everyone to have a look at it and to try to change things and that uh, and and then at the end of the line of course um they will um, i think you 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 learn that uh, by planting a few species you bring uh, nitrogen to to the soil, and by combining this and that species, you bring this and that so it's it's it, it all works out with you having to to bring less uh less artificial fertilizers and and so on now at the moment agroforestry i think it's 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 more labor intensive where is it going to go are we going to find ways to bring agroforestry to the bigger farms that are mechanized because we still need to produce a lot of coffee and 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 to to try to make this a reality i hope so and i see bigger farms doing it as well so these um, farms in Latin America
0: who are like slowly making the conversion to introducing like more diverse range of crops into their farms mm-hmm. what can they learn from African countries who've been doing this for centuries
2: they, Well they can learn that uh, that it's working and that and that there is a market for it that there is mm-hmm. demand and and there's people willing to help as well Right to come and to and to because when you going into agroforestry at some point you need the help from from agronomists from people that will show you the way and like explain you the dos and don'ts. Um, This is I think um, a a a big a big question because it costs a lot of money as well. Uh, The trees are also expensive and the and the consultancy to do the right thing as well um so so i think it's uh, it's um apart from the fact that we see that there is a real demand and that they are producing coffee with no chemical products most of the time because in uh, in in uh ethiopia they don't. Maybe we'll find some some scientific studies showing that it can affect the taste of the coffee. I've never seen one D- this day. I don't think that they exist. Um, Ethiopian coffees taste a lot different. Is there any impact of how rich the soil is, and how and how rich the whole ecosystem is on it? Because sometimes I do see, well, uh, Latin American coffee producers put their hands on a lot of Ethiopian varieties, right? Geisha was the first one that escaped, and then other uh, other seeds escaped, and in some way, after a certain point. After certain numbers of years that they are cultivated in Latin America, sometimes you lose that distinctive flavor. So I don't know, we could ask ourselves, is, is there any impact of actually the soil and the ecosystem of, um, of where this coffee is growing? Is that having any impact on the flavor? If we can if we can someday have a look at the uh, on that, I think it could be a little revolution, and then everybody would m- maybe start copying Ethiopia a lot more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a really interesting point. I think in uh, in coffee, we get obsessed with all the various in like uh, varieties and variables that can impact that in the cup experience. And it would be really interesting if there was like scientific data to measure that. Because again, like you say, like my perception of shade grown coffee is that slower growth, the more complex flavors tend to be sweeter. Like where does agroforestry feed into that? It's a really interesting point to make the comparison between two different locations and thinking outside of the Normal mm-hmm. things that impact that in the cup experience with Brazil in particular you're seeing like it's a much more incremental sort of take on of agroforestry characteristics. Is this something that you're working with in your new job? This is the time to pitch your new company to our lovely listeners? Tell us more about it
2: yes so uh, um so I have just created a new company it's still a baby it's still a feature mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> And, and I am, so I live in France. I live in uh, Bordeaux, but I am currently spending a month and a half here in Brazil to, uh, to visit farms, to meet peoples and to find partners that are already a little bit inclined in agroforestry and in, and in growing coffee differently. Uh, Brazil is this, is the, it, it is the, um, is the biggest arabica producing country in the world it produces a third of the arabica the world drinks so it's volume and it's uh and it's done in monoculture and it's done in agro business where the farmer is 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 more is more a um a businessman than a farmer, right? So, um, we're, uh, I'm here trying to to find people that are still connected to the earth, to their to their farm, and are and are a farmer because they love nature, because they love to produce, and 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 hopefully I'm I am I am finding inspiring people here. They do exist. Do <laughs> <They> exist, <laughs> and. And and this is what I'm doing now with coffee and with cacao as well because I partnered with with um, a, a very old friend. He he I met him uh, eight years ago when he was still working in coffee. He he is he was one of the founders of a Swiss-based roastery called Boreal Cafe and now he has a chocolate factory in the south of brazil called utopia tropical uh, tropical utopia basically and so he brings in the 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 like cacao um knowledge uh, of of things and and his and his Knowledge of the growing regions, etc. And as I, w- I was telling uh, you earlier, agroforestry already exists in cacao in Brazil in a type of agriculture that is called cabruca uh, that preserve um, endemic species of the Atlantic forest. So this is really cool, and 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 I bring the the coffee word into the project. So we're gonna work together to 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 uh, he 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 lives here in brazil um on the yearly basis and so 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 he's able to to spend a lot more time with the farmers uh, although he is um he has a chocolate factory to run but <laughs> but but he can spend time here and 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 we can try to uh, to bring a little bit of this of this Cabruca knowledge, of this local agro fof- uh, agroforestry knowledge that does exist in in cacao, a little bit in the coffee world, we hope.
1: Ooh, congratulations!
2: Wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. you're conjuring followed, up I'll, so I'll many. Keep you, I'll keep you informed. <laughs>
0: amazing yeah you're conjuring up a lot of uh incredible images of brazilian forests as you talk about all those Mm. different crops growing together
2: so next week we're gonna go to visit uh cacao farms and and if i have some some like amazing photos of what a cabruca is i'll send you guys so yeah yes please let us live through you yeah (laughs) Um,
0: Do you find coffee and cacao growing in the same like area then? Is that something that works well together or what kind of crops do like crops work better to be kind of integrated with cacao and coffee or like, how does that work?
2: Yeah, we don't, we really don't. And this is, (laughs) this is uh, because it would be nice to grow both together. We don't yet because cacao grows in low altitudes and coffee grows right. in higher altitudes i see so we end up even if uh like uh, the the one of the um, one of the biggest uh, i think the biggest uh producing area for cacao in brazil is bahia it's south of bahia and they do grow coffee as well in the south of bahia but it's not really in the same lens because coffee is higher, cacao is lower. Um, what I, maybe one day when we will we'll be able to grow Robusta and cacao, mm-hmm. may, maybe. I I haven't seen it yet, but I'm quite new in this cacao uh, world. But uh, specialty Robusta is something that is growing I am yeah. seeing more things about it and hearing more things about it. I went to a coffee shop here and in their menu they had a specialty conilon and a specialty arabica and I bought both cups and I was drinking them both and like comparing so it is it's growing so I th- I see maybe something uh, that could be done with the specialty robusta maybe growing together with cacao. It's so interesting to hear these kind of Um, things
1: that we perceive to be innovative, you know, like talking about specialty Robusta feels very new and exciting. And then what you're really talking about with Ethiopian Mm -hmm. agroforestry is that it harkens way back. So there's this kind of hybrid of future notions with older ones. I think like a common theme that seems to be coming across, it came across in your talk when Jacques was speaking and even now with what you're setting up with your new business, are these producer relationships How important are they in terms of what you're trying to do, but also specialty coffee and kind of furthering agroforestry at origin?
2: I think they are super important. They're super, super important. And for many, many years, specialty coffee was about a cup and a score and how floral it was and how amazing it was. So I, I saw a lot of people going down that road uh exclusively and completely forgetting about the fact that we're all humans and we're an industry and we need to build relationships. And I think that this is uh even more important when we have in mind that we that maybe now it's time to buy coffee differently, to buy coffee thinking about the the immense the power that our buying power has. I think it's more, it has more weight than voting, right? If you don't want to see something anymore, stop buying it and buy something else and like encourage something else. It's a great, uh, I think our buying power is, 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 is a, is a weapon and, and we should use it knowing the power it has. And when we, and when we want to encourage, uh, agricultural practices, it's, it's something that takes time. It's long. You don't buy one year and go away. I think that, uh, that, um, choosing the right partners, I think, I think will bring so much fulfillment to many coffee People, you know, finding and building and 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 seeing the small impacts that that we can have professionally is great. And then, of course, growing a forest takes time. Uh, changing changing habits takes time and money. So, if we can ensure um, if we can ensure uh, that every year we will uh continue to buy from from certain people. They can then focus on on producing great coffees instead of focusing each time on on their on oh who am I gonna to sell to this year and where am I gonna get my money from and my financing from. And and so I think that long-term partnerships pushes things forward as well because the farmer can really focus on producing great coffee rather than financing his crop
1: yeah it creates longevity like true longevity which is a facet of sustainability i think is often neglected we talk about sustainability and think only environmental but like you say there's huge um power to drive change when it comes to buying power mm. and that leads to longevity of mm. farmers and producers. It's wonderful to hear you speak on it with such knowledge.
2: And well, passion. it doesn't necessarily mean that everything that we should do and all the coffees we should buy should be like that. We can of course fall in love with a cup and say, Oh, I, w- I want to buy that coffee. But I think that for the, for a few projects or Maybe maybe choose one, right? As uh as either if you're um a roaster or or even a coffee importer or even a consumer. Oh, I really like what these guys are doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to to keep uh to keep that market alive. Wonderful.
0: I guess I'm as you've been chatting, I've been wondering like and this might be a tough question for you to answer, but do you know uh what percentage of coffees grown at the moment are like grown as forest coffees or in a kind of um a farm where they're using agroforestry practices and maybe you don't know the answer to that but like do you think that we're moving towards a point where that
2: percentage <laughs> will increase yeah worldwide i have no idea i think it's even hard to know because where do you draw the line? Maybe, yeah, m- maybe it it could be like, what is the percentage of coffees that are not growing in monoculture yeah. alone? But then there's inside of, of like, as um, when you have planted a few trees, it started like, where do we draw the line between just planting a few trees and having a complex ecosystem? I don't know. I know that in Ethiopia, it's the majority. although. Everyone does not grow coffee in an in an actual semi-forest, but even when you have garden coffees that uh, small farmers have something that looks more like a garden with an orchard and uh, fruit trees and, and things like this, this is already a little bit agroforestry so in uh in like ethiopia it's i think it's a great percentage when you go to kenya it goes down because they do monoculture there still if you look at brazil it's it's so small i think i don't have the the number but i think it's it's pretty small yeah. <laughs> I, I i do see it so, growing because we're all here and we're yeah making something about it doing something about
1: it. it's certainly a topic i feel i've seen particularly um specifically with brazil <clears throat> excuse me mm-hmm. since the frost and the massive impact of that i've, I've Again, this could be the echo chamber I exist in, but I certainly feel like it's a topic you're seeing come up more as people are looking to kind of fight the challenges uh, that come with climate change and yeah. those extreme weather events. Obviously, this is just one element of a huge kind of systemic overhaul. It's it's a massive topic, really, isn't it? And it's not something that we can cover in this in this short podcast. But we do want to say thank you for sharing your expertise and wonder if, do you have resources you'd like to point our listeners to if they did want to develop their understanding of agroforestry or even your new business? Where can people find you online? Anything like that you want to share?
2: So everything is 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 very new still. So So you can find me basically on Instagram and by email. Uh, I do have uh, the, the 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 like importing structure that has been created in Europe is called the good sourcing. So you can find us uh, me there and by Instagram right now basically. And if people want to read about agroforestry, to, uh, I've seen I I think that uh, a few coffee importers have produced some good materials. So far, uh I have um I've seen that Falcon wrote a book about forest coffees in Ethiopia as well. Belko, because I used to to work there, has uh, a lot of material. I think if people go in their website, they can understand a little bit more about it. There's a lot of a lot of information they share about it and also about how they're They want to, to, to start describing what agroforestry can be in other countries as well. So yeah, ask, ask. I think my, I think my, my suggestion is ask about it. Ask about it to uh, the people growing coffee. Ask about it to your, to your roaster if you're, if you're a, f- a final consumer, ask about it to your importer. Uh, there are many things right now done about it and 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 if we all um share our interests, I think it will push things further a little bit faster. Mm, we have power <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and and um and again, we were very, very interested about uh fermentation and cup scores, and I think we reached an amazing level. And now we need to to focus a little bit on on urgent matters right or uh, are we drinking poison are we drinking glyphosate or are we drinking uh things that uh that are killing us and also killing the soil of the coffee farms and everything so um let's let's be super curious about about our product. Let's be annoying. (laughs) I'm really good at being annoying.
0: (laughs) I love that. I am going to be hanging on to that phrase that buying power is a weapon. I just think that's, yeah, a great way of looking at your buying power yeah thank you so much for bringing all of your energy today yeah to our listeners keep listening now for the recording of gabriella and jack's presentation from manchester coffee festival last year and yeah thanks very much for listening and we'll be back soon for another episode of brewing it over
2: hi hello everyone thank you for being here uh Jacques and I work in a company that is called Belco. Belco is a green coffee importer based in several origin countries and here in European France. Uh, so none of us is English speaker as its mother language. So I hope that you will be uh, <laughs> okay with that. Uh, so let's go. The aim of this presentation is kind of to show what agro- forestry is in coffee it is something that in some african countries has have always existed and is now becoming more popular and is being also put in place in uh in other regions of the of the globe and we will see also why we are watching this in terms of um in terms of uh also, new future European led, uh, legislation that will push that will push uh, farmers to 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 uh, to turn towards this kind of uh, agriculture. So basically, there is a very basic definition of agroforestry, and agroforestry is an agricultural system in which trees coexist with with uh, with uh, crops. Uh, on the same uh, plot, so that means that uh, that usually the grower have v- um, more income than just coffees. But then inside of this definition, you can also find different levels of agroforestry because it's not uh, it can be only about a few trees, how many trees, how many species. So when you get into it you can fine-tune your definition of what is agroforestry and also what is agroforestry in coffee. We at Belco, uh, we have worked with forest coffees for many years now. Uh, Jacques is the head of the Ethiopian offices of Belco. And uh, I think that since 2015, we have uh, started identifying farms that would grow coffee inside of an existing forest. So that led us to establish a list of what makes those coffees special. We were not inventing anything, but we were seeing that, that coffees could grow that way and what made a coffee a forest coffee. With time, we wanted to export this kind of, of vision to other countries. However, Ethiopia is the country where you find that the most and in a very natural way. You do not find that in Brazil, let's say, in coffee at least. So we worked recently with the French Agroforestry Association in order to, to structure and to enrich the definition of agroforestry. So we came out with that, with them to a larger Definition of it. So there is actually now a, um, a large document explaining what agroforestry coffee um, in coffee is, and um, and one of the main things that came out of that study was that we can find today three levels of agroforestry: a first level of a more basic type of agro. Forestry where you really have trees among coffee trees. It's usually what we called a shade-grown coffee because you don't have a lot of different species. Usually you have two or three species maximum inside of the farm. You have those uh, species of trees are not necessarily native or or like composing a native forest. Uh, And you have a single... Uh, layer of trees and then coffees. We have the superior agroforestry coffees where where you have a minimum of two layers. So the higher layer can be also uh, older coffees. There is a uh, wider varieties of species, uh, more of them of being native of the country. And we go all the way up to the third level of coff- uh, uh, of forest coffees, which is where you can count at least 10 different species of trees inside of your plot or your farm. Uh, you have at least 70% of native uh, species and you have at least three levels of, of canopy. And each level has a function. So you have the like older trees that are uh, composing the higher level of of. Canopy, they, they, they can also be, be used as timber, uh, but, they, but the role of when, they, of when the leaves fall, it also enriches the soil. So you have more of a rich and complete ecosystem that works on its own. And this is what has originated for us a kind of um, a brand or a seal that we called the Forest Coffees. And this is a way to be able to to be able to spot and to give more value to these coffees, so the so that the roasters and maybe the final customer know what we're talking about. Because agroforestry is very large, but you also have different types of it that have a different impact on the environment. So this is just some examples to see pictures of what we're talking about. So this is a farm with simple level of agroforestry. So you see all the coffee trees and a few trees here and there. This is a superior agroforestry type, where you can see a lot of the same species of trees uh, composing the shade. I think these are Acacias, no? This is in uh, Ethiopia and here you have uh uh the 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 forest coffees per se in which you see a very old very tall trees as well as some uh intermediate trees that are usually um fruit and uh, other um uh, uh crops for the farmers and the coffees so we are we will get deeper in what agroforestry is in coffee in Ethiopia first because it's there when you can still find this third uh, and more advanced level of agroforestry uh, so we will have a look at these regions here today with which is Jima and Kafa, but this map is here kind of to show you where we can find forest coffees in Ethiopia that they mainly come from uh, Walaga, where you still have a lot of of wild coffee forests as well that cannot really be uh, harvested and commercialized. You have Jima, Kaffa, and Guji. And in all these regions, you find farms that, uh, that come closer to the forest coffees. So the main idea here as well is that uh, the the it's it's a very unique model that we have the chance to see that this has been preserved in, uh, in Ethiopia and how we can st- and and how can we start uh thinking about implementing system like this in other countries uh, as well as being profitable for the farmers so the first idea here is to have a look at how this is done. In Ethiopia, and how this could be largely scalable and still be profitable for the for the farmers. So, this is an example of of of, of uh, an agroforestry system in Ethiopia. The name of the local native trees that 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 are part of the of the tropical Ethiopian native forests. And the coffees, so you see kind of the different layers of canopy as well.
3: So this is the scale. Of...
2: A- and it is at scale. Yeah, you ha- you see the uh, the human here. I mean, uh, to have an idea of uh, of how great and how big it is. So basically, agroforestry today in coffee, and in Ethiopia, we are talking about several levels of canopy, but we're also talking about Polyculture, where the coffee farmer can have different sources of income because they also sell uh, honey they sell fruit they can Spice. spices and uh, and uh, wood you have the preservation of soil and of the local biodiversity. if we look at the um, at the carbon footprint of this type of agriculture we haven 't done this. Yet, but you will, I'm pretty sure you are negative. You are sec uh you are sequestrating uh CO two instead of emitting CO two. Mm. There is no use of chemicals. Naturally there isn't, but it's this is also something that is part of our specifications for a coffee to be put on the f- Forest coffees label. And most important, or very important as well, is that this type of agriculture is preserving and showing a certain type of ancient know how. Coffee producers in Ethiopia have been producing coffees like this for ages, them and their parents and their grandparents. So there is a deep un- uh, understanding of their territory, of their land and of their products. So it's not us telling them what to do, but there is this uh, idea of their ancient know-how that is being uh, passed on. I'm going to pass you the...
3: Okay, so, sorry for my English again. (laughs) Uh, So we are going to focus on some region. We have a uh, long-term partnership, long-term farmer we work with. So when we started um, the brand Coffee Forest, we were uh, including like uh, mainly farmers in the Jimma region, Kaffa and Walaga. and we we sorry, and we had um, we had uh, let's say five or six years history with them. So we, we start to see how the the impact of what we did the last uh, five six years. So um, maybe you know those names because they are in the present on the list of many roasters in Europe. One of the best, one of them well known. So in Jima, we work with Khalid Shifa for five years now, and Mustafa Mohamed Ali six years. For those two farmers, they were in a Gera and Goma water. I'm sure you know uh, Nanochala, Duromina. So those cooperatives are based in this place nearby Agaro. So it's, it is very interesting those places because you have uh, native varieties coming from the Choche forest. So most of the farmers they use a mother tree, they use a, they use the forest to farm coffee. So for more than. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) 150 years, something like this. So you have, uh, like uh, Gabriela said, you have uh, a know-how, but you have also, uh, it's a dynamic, you know, it's not like, it is not because it is low tech, then you don't have evolution, you don't have a surface, it's not like uh, well thought and sophisticated. Actually, it's it's very innovative and sophisticated, more than someone spraying uh, chemicals and uh, because you have to know the flora around you, you have to use some species to fight against pests, to, you know, so it's very, you need to know what you are doing, more than spraying, like... Yeah, uh, it is
2: actually very sophisticated, in a way.
3: Um, and then you are, we have some people in Kapha, uh, so today we are talking about uh, mm-hmm. Tatmara, which is a nearby uh, bonga. <laughs> So again, there, it, uh, it's a small farm uh, working a nice forest in a uh, Kaffa Island. And in Kaffa too, you have a, a biosphere uh, under a UNESCO, you know, a reserve. So you have a lot of... You, you have a lot of... Uh, the bio, biodiversity is very big. So you have a lot of local varieties. Uh, I'm sure you know, like, whoosh, whoosh. Uh, yeah. Thousands of it. Uh, yeah, thousand. <laughs> yeah, so I think we can pass. As I said, we have some history with uh, those farmers, and the the problem is to measure the the profit the profit they do. The, they don't have a clear accounting. They don't have uh, data available, you know. So it's not that easy to to measure what we do, the impact of what we do, and what they do. We when we were preparing the presentation. We thought with Gabriela, uh, Gabriela, what can uh, show the the profitability of a farm and the dynamic? So all the indicators like yield, uh, incomes, it's not really accurate to realize what's uh, what's happening on the ground because the yield could come from a choice of the farmer. You know, uh, you can decide when you farm. You have two choice between productivity and quality. So if you target the specialty market. You have to accept not to produce too much. Okay, if you want to have a highly productive system, you will lose quality. So the yield is not really an indicator. It's a itself. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean uh, a lot. And then remember, we are talking about smallholders, small farmers. So their workforce is not uh, infinite. They have to choose. It's a choose between. Uh, Today, I will farm my, uh, my TEF field because I need to feed my family. And this will not produce any income. Uh, this year, the, the weather is perfect for coffee, so I know I will get a good har- harvest. So I will put more work in my coffee farm and I will, I will get a better yield. So the yield is coming from a choice of the farmer. It doesn't mean he it, it doesn't know how to farm, he doesn't know the good practices like many experts. Say, but it, it's kind of complex to to apprehend the profitability of a farm. So we decided for today to talk about the the investment made by those farmers, uh, showing they they made some profit. Uh, it's not perfect. It's not uh, ideal. Uh, also, we are making some work with the French Agroparitec, you know, agronomist in general in Paris. So they do some research to just to help us to, to give more uh, serious uh, data and uh, to have some conclusion. So just for today, we we are going to talk about the investment. So again, we, we, we are, we are in a supply chain and we, To, to success, to, to make the success of a coffee and a farmer, you need to, uh, combine different ingredients. We have, uh, identified three, uh, three steps very important. The first one is to, to have a strong relationship with the farmer, meaning us as a sourcer and importer, but also the roasters. It's very important to, To include the roster into the, into the game because we need to, to work together to bring the coffee to the, to the market and to, to be able to talk well about the farm, about the, the agricultural system. So, so this is very important to have a strong foundation. Then to, to make sure we have, um, we have the product we, the roster wants. We need to to support the far, the producer, the farmers, by giving trainings, by giving uh, feedback, by giving uh, by explaining what we expect with quality. Uh, those people they know coffee, they drink coffee, they have an idea of quality, but they don't know what you like. <laughs> so we need to explain We need to explain what what the market expects. So this part is very important because. This will help us to have a consistent product, a consistent uh, coffee to put in the market. So then, the, the roasters, the, the relationship with the roasters is also one of the most important uh, things because that brings the market, the, the market expectation to the producer. And by by uh, establishing a relationship between between the producer and the roasters, will make the um, will 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 bring a better product will bring more an understanding of what the market expects and this will this is going both ways you know the the roster can explain the challenge he has the the coffee in uh, what the market expects but the producer can also explain okay you you are asking me this but that means in my uh, in my work it will have consequences and this will be the consequences like uh I have a good example, you know, for, uh, it's not from Ethiopia, but from Kenya. The, the market loves, loves SL varieties. But the SL varieties, when you farm SL, most of the farmers, they use a lot of chemicals, a lot of fungicide, a lot of copper, because it is rust sensitive and CBD sensitive. So if you ask to a producer, okay, I want uh, sustainable coffee, more uh, clean, uh, probably it won't be SL. Okay. But uh, so, those information doesn't pass through the supply chain. And uh, it's very important to know. You want me to farm a cell, so I will have to spray. <laughs> Do you want me to spray? Yes or not? Do you want organic coffee? So, it's, it's a good example. And, uh, <clears throat> and then the, the, the third most important thing, one of the, will be to, to keep all of this in, the, in time, you know, in the, in, uh, in the long term. Uh, why? Because we need to, to measure the consequences we, coming from the, the way we work. Uh, we need to collect data. We need to, yeah. So we need time and we need experience. We have experience only coming from time. Yeah. time. Um, and then because you have, um, you have many, many challenges, like the last two years in Ethiopia, you had a civil war. So we, we we weren't able to to make uh, serious research. Uh, we we had planned to bring some uh, some students for a masters, you know, to make some research, and they weren't able to come to Ethiopia. They had to go to Colombia. Make they had made a nice research, a nice paper, but uh, we have challenge inside the coffee world and in the country context. Let's let's say like this yeah. Uh, this, those pictures is to illustrate the idea to bring rosters to producers to have some, uh, uh close relationships. So you have some, uh, there you have a Neguset, Adese from Tatmara. Here in the middle, this is a uh, Khalid Shifa and again Khalid Shifa. Yeah. We don't have Mustafa. But <laughs> this will show, uh, this is a list of the investments they made for the last, the last five years. So, just to give you the profile of those farmers of those people um in 2017 you had a new regulation in Ethiopia uh, allowing you to buy directly from uh, the washing station or from the farmers before you you weren't allowed to buy from washing station as an importer and uh, the the coffee uh, was uh, had to go through ECX, the stock market exchange, where you were losing traceability. Or it was only the big farms, like uh, bigger than 35 hectares, were allowed to get an export license and exporting uh, directly the the coffees. So the result of this was all you buy through the ECX uh, lots, where you were losing traceability, so you were buying only a cup, mainly, and uh, an appellation. Or you were going through the big farms, but you were uh, missing the big pictures. Like in Ethiopia, 95% of the producers have less than five hectares. It was uh, very small compared to the potential. So <clears throat> in 2017, we started to buy directly from farmers, uh, millers, uh, on washing station owners, uh, some coffee. And Mustafa, one, one, uh, one was the first, I think. The first year we bought 20 bags from him. Um, he has two, two farms, actually, two small farms, one in Goma, one in Gera. And, uh, as soon as we bought from him, we already, we connected him with, uh, rosters in France, in Germany. It was easy because his name is for marketing. It's, uh, so it's, uh, he, 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 it was uh, kind of easy and the farm were amazing. You know, they visited him. They, they, they met him. So in the last, uh, in the last two years, he built one washing station. He built a dry mill in Agaro to prepare the lots before to send them to Addis Abeba. <clears throat> he started also only business. It's not there, but uh, this year he built 200 hives. Uh, so to build the hive, he bought a machine to prepare the wood. You know, to, he started also a cattle uh, activity. So you see the diversification of the activity uh, through him. Khalid, he started with uh, HMO farm, which was a family farm, you know, so coming from his father. He's a bit younger and more uh, active, let's say like this. So he, he did, uh, he achieved a really great, uh, really great uh, things uh, in terms of uh, development. So he build, uh, two washing stations. Majority of the product he prepares in those washing st- stations, he sells it locally. He doesn't export those. <coughs> and, um, he build a warehouse and, uh, dry mill in Agaro too. So this, this, uh, all this investment will bring them more uh, autonomy because when you have a dry mill, you have more control on quality. So it's not only about incomes. It's also about the, um, the, the work so you have a better, uh, better follow up of the work. Um, and the most uh, one thing we have to notice: if Mustafa he did uh, most of the investment without loans, and there are the money, the profit it was generated from the, his business. It was uh, I think it was a kind of a success. And uh, now the question is how we can uh, consolidate this, how we can make more uh, sustainable regarding the. Um, many aspects there is one uh, one thing i wanted to say maybe the next uh, Here you have a <clears throat> you have a view of the of the warehouse in agaro the dry mill so what they do in agaro the the dry mill in agaro they have to prepare the coffee uh in green beans to send to Addis abeba so you have a machine to decorticate the the pods and they will uh, they will do an unpicking. And in Addis Abeba, you will have another, another dry mill, a big one with the color sorter, all the machine, gravity separator, everything, which is more costly than this one and which is not, uh, and they will prepare the coffee for export in Addis Abeba. The last sorting. Okay. <clears throat> Those investments is uh, very important for the, uh, the quality. He has more control on it. He has more control on his coffee. Uh, nobody can steal his lot. When you go to, uh, um uh an average meal you know you have a lot of coffee you have a lot of people coming in, so you can have mistakes you can have uh, uh teeth you can have so you c- you can damage the quality of your coffee very easily, so you have more control on what you do just to to conclude a little bit um <clears throat> the the idea is you 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 have to to have a holistic approach meaning you have to apprehend all the parameters of the of the business of the farm to success. If you just focus on the on the farming, the yield, for example, you have a great chance to go back to trade, market, and then to lose money. So you have to you have to, um, in, to include everybody in the in the story. Uh, this is very important. Um, so alone as an importer we don't exist because we we need the producer and the and the roster. And it is, I think it is valid for everybody because we, we bring something.
2: So if we, if we kind of take back everything that we said and, and also if we look that, um, that agroforestry can be done and it can also gen, uh, generate enough, enough revenue so that the farmers can continue to invest in coffee and to invest in quality, uh, how can this be exported to other regions um, mostly because um, because it's not uh, we cannot pretend to copy and paste a model that that works in a certain region with a certain population that has a certain know- how and just paste that a little bit everywhere in the world. So our idea is to look at what already exists in coffee or not in coffee in other v- regions. So let's uh, let's have a look of what is agroforestry in uh, in uh, Colombia, uh, Brazil, Peru, Mexico, which is countries that maybe in coffee or maybe in other products have. Uh, systems that get closer to the, to the, to the higher levels of agroforestry. And let's try to have a look at what the know-how is there. So I took, uh, a, a more concrete example of Brazil because I am from there and I, I, and I, I see a lot of things that are happening there around this topic. Uh, so for instance, uh, today, Brazil is this country where you can find the 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 strict opposite to what agroforestry is. You have a lot of uh, huge industrial farms, a lot of monoculture and a lot of producing farmers don't have this this know-how of how to grow coffee in agroforestry or or in permaculture. So on the other hand, what does exist? Uh they have a system that is called Cabruca, uh, Cabruca is the name given to agroforestry in uh, cacao that is native and other nuts that are also native. And 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 how and, and how can you adapt these models to coffee? So the this um, when we look at this in this way, uh, we can hope to build something. That is more engraved with the balance of the Brazilian ecosystem, with what native uh, what native trees do they use, and what way uh, 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 and what way do they build to 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 make all the crops to be profitable. So nowadays we are starting to already see the coffee projects in agroforestry that are on the first step of agroforestry, the basic one. You have some a bit more rare that are on the step two. And uh, I think you don't really find the the semi-forest coffees that you find in Ethiopia yet. But it is important as well to say that in this process, it is very important to keep in mind that you cannot make a very uh, a very, uh, fast and a very, um, extreme conversion because you need to, first of all, let the system adapt. And second of all, you need to take into account that if you do something that is a little bit too rigid or too fast, uh, you don't, en- uh, you don't ensure, uh, the income of the coffee grower. So it needs to be something that is done slowly, step by step and kind of hand to hand with the producers, uh, so that they can keep earning a revenue during the transition, uh, and always keeping the like uh, vision of where you want to go. Um and uh and to finish, uh because we don't have any more time, nowadays we will start to see a lot of people talking about agroforestry in coffee, and a lot of it will be pushed by new legislations about imported deforestation and on uh carbon credits and things like this. So this in a way are are European laws that are being built right now. So uh, as we speak, we don't really know yet what kind of exact laws we will have. But uh, on, on the one hand, this is good because it will push farmers in regions that don't do agroforestry at all to start looking at it, especially because when you do agroforestry, you can maybe sell carbon credits to other companies. So there's this this new uh, dynamic that will start to be put in place and uh, it can push things into the right direction. But I think that uh, it is worth stating that uh, deep down, this is not why we're doing it. Doing it because it's um, uh, I think that we have... Uh, seen and learn now that we need to uh to maybe analyze agriculture a little bit differently especially because in the in in the regions and in the countries that we need to grow coffee uh if we don't change that now we won't be able to drink coffee anymore anyway agro forestry as well in a very very simple way uh brings the temperature down from more than 5 degrees So it is a way, it is a more or less simple way uh, to uh, to just approach coffee and to be able to continue to grow coffee and to drink coffee tomorrow. And uh, I would like to end like this. So thank you very much.